On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview the game between Kansas and Oklahoma set for Saturday. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also subscribe to us, find us on YouTube. And you can also hear me on Rock Chalk Sports Talk Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN and Lawrence. And uh, on today's edition of Locked On Jayhawks, we're previewing Kansas, taking on Oklahoma in Norman. The return trip after the, the first game was... Uh, rather close, maybe a little too close for comfort in the case of uh, Kansas. So um, going into this game, certainly very important for KU to try to keep pace and build their momentum after the Texas win, keep pace near the top. We'll get into that with our top storylines, scouting report over Oklahoma and our matchups of the game. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started so our top storylines in the game um ku trying to stay at or near the top of the big 12 obviously you know we'll we'll wait and see what happens with some of the weekend action in the big 12 uh like in the case of texas they host west virginia which west virginia has been like a sneaky good team on you know some of the metric sites and maybe you're starting to find something could they go into Austin and get a win? I don't know that I'm expecting that, but you know, you have that. You have um, Kansas State at Texas Tech. I don't know, probably not one they trip in, but you never know. They, uh, TCU plays Baylor on Saturday, so th- there are some big results around you that certainly will impact the conference standings, not just dependent on what you do with the Oklahoma game, but from Kansas's standpoint. You enter into Saturday one game behind first place. It's seven and four. You're one game back of eight and three. And so hypothetically, if, you know, the right results happen for you Saturday and you get a win, maybe you could move into a tie for first place. But at the very least, it is sticking around at least that, you know, one game out spot where you're always within striking distance, where you're applying pressure to, you know, maybe what, uh, the other teams are are doing and uh, you're one win away uh, because, you know, you want to stay within that striking distance. Like, um, I don't know how much longer you can continue to bob between being one to two games back. So uh, from that standpoint, that's certainly the top storyline. Just KU trying to get another win and, and stay near the top of the Big 12 and uh, stick around as one of the top title contenders in the conference. Uh, number two is KU going for the sweep in this series. Uh, maybe this is more about just a continuation of, you know, what what do we learn from the first game? How does that carry over? If Oklahoma plays like they did in the first game, but now they're at home. Do they find a way to win the game? But for Kansas, it's very important to find a way to, if they can, sweep a series like this. Uh, when you look at all these other teams in the Big 12, in the top six, who are like top 20 teams in the country, if hypothetically you were to say, well, we'll, we'll go five and five, we'll split with all of them then that means you really have to take care of business against the teams who are in those seven through 10 spots, right? If you want to get to uh, 12 and six, that means you would have to go seven and one against the teams in the seven through 10 spots, meaning you would have to sweep three of the four and split with the fourth or to get the 13 wins in big 12 play. You're gonna have to sweep all four of them. 
You're one and zero against all four of them. Two of them you play at home. Two of them you play on the road. Starting with this Oklahoma series, you play at Oklahoma and then at Oklahoma State on Tuesday. Um, so it just you look at the math of of winning the league. If that is the recipe, like you're gonna have to sweep some of these teams, and Oklahoma is one of those that you really need to find a way to get a sweep. And at the very least, you need to get a sweep with one of the next two with either at Oklahoma or at Oklahoma State. So just get it done in this first game so that the Oklahoma State game would be the cherry on top and give you the better opportunity to to try to sweep multiple of them. Uh, The next storyline is KU uh, taking on Tanner Groves and the Groves brothers. I know this is, I don't know, maybe at this point a bit of an exhausted storyline, and that every time they've played, this has been brought up that, oh, look what the Groves brothers did against Kansas in the first round of the NCAA tournament in 2021. It's going to get brought up again, so I'll just bring it up now. It is going to be a storyline. But I do think it's a little bit different this time because Groves really hurt KU last season too. But then in the matchup earlier this year was really the first time that he hasn't just like gone off. He didn't have like a great game in Norman last season. But, you know, the game in Allen Fieldhouse, the NCAA tournament game, he's really gone off against you and been a matchup problem. And in this game, or or the earlier game in Allen Fieldhouse this year against Oklahoma, they kind of shut him down. And I think you attribute some of that to KU playing more of a small ball five to where you're not going to have the advantages of being a stretch five. And KJ is probably still more athletic. I mean, he is than Tanner Groves. He's not going to be able to, like, outspeed him. So, you know. You lose some of that advantage if you're Oklahoma, which is a good thing for Kansas in a game like this. But certainly whenever you get the Groves brothers against KU, that storyline will get and is right now getting brought up. Uh, The last one I got here is OU battling for their NCAA tournament lives. You know, it, it can always be scary when you play a team on a Saturday that, I don't know, there's something about that, that like, oh, they're, they're a bubble team that needs a win and uh, they're playing at home. And, and Oklahoma has been probably consistently like the the least sold ticket venue for uh, Big 12 games. But when they play KU, I would imagine those ticket sales are going to go up and that they'll have a pretty good crowd. I, I guess we'll kind of wait and see. Um, so they're going to be they're going to be rocking and they need this win to make the NCAA tournament. It It's kind of an uphill battle at this point in time. Um, you look at, you know, them being near the bottom of the conference. And I kind of think that when you look at just the total wins that you're going to have to have so that the record isn't 500, because I don't think they're going to let a 500 team into the NCAA tournament. Like they're going to have to probably win. I don't know what seven games in the big 12 and maybe a game or two in the big 12 tournament. And even that, like, I, I don't know, it, it might not be enough. So um, they really need to start racking up wins, which puts even more pressure on a game like this. And if they do win this game, they would have quite uh the resume, I guess, of wins. Obviously, everyone remembers the Alabama game, and that certainly sticks out when you beat one of the best teams in the country. You beat them by 24, which is your biggest win of the season by margin over UMKC. Um, so, you know, th- they're trying to stack those up. It's kind of an uphill battle at this point, but you know what? Get them back on the map and get people talking about them again as being, you know, near that bubble at the very least, or being one of those first eight out or something like that is winning a game like this over Kansas. And so they're going to be playing, I don't know, with a bit of desperation in that way, which makes them very, very dangerous. So you got to be careful here if you're KU headed into this game. And for OU, you're going to be playing with all sorts of passion, uh, obviously playing a top-tier team. You almost beat them the first go-around. And if you can score a win this time, 
you keep your NCAA tournament hopes alive. I mean, I guess they're still technically alive because even if you lose this game, like what if you reeled four straight wins off, right? That can still happen. But this would be their best outcome to trying to get on that line. Uh, we're going to get on to uh, our OU scouting report and what happened in the first matchup. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who's going to score a touchdown. I was doing some prop bets and, and going over them last night on the FanDuel app, and I did a couple different ones with like touchdowns or or some of the yard ones. Um, one that I liked is, you know, go all out on, on rushing attack. So Isaiah Pacheco, you can get him an alt rush line at 70 plus rushing yards. It's like plus 300 odds. Parlay it with Isaiah Pacheco, 25 plus rushing yards. You know, maybe if Casey gets up late, they're going to be running the football. Uh, good amount to try to eat the clock out. We saw that with Damian Williams, and then he busted the long one in the Super Bowl they won a few years ago in 2020. And maybe they have to run the ball a good amount to kind of keep that Eagles pass rush that's so good on their heels. I don't know. Could be something there. You can check that out at FanDuel Sportsbook. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet to Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Oklahoma comes into this game as one of the bottom teams in the Big 12. They certainly are dangerous, though. Like, we've seen them beat top teams. We've seen them, you know, beat Florida by nine points. We've seen them beat West Virginia. Uh, we've seen them beat Alabama again by 24 points. Like, they've beaten some really good opponents so far this season. As far as that first matchup, they almost beat Kansas, and that would have been another nice notch in their belt, and that one would have been in Allen Fieldhouse, um, you know, Alabama, win probably better than Kansas just in terms of rankings. But if it would have been in Lawrence, like that probably better than a home win versus Alabama. So KU ended up winning 79 to 75. Um, it was 36, 34 at halftime. Grant Sherfield hit like a, a buzzer beater at the half to kind of get some momentum back for them. And then Oklahoma took that 10 point lead with like five minutes to go. But uh, KU after having like a 13 minute stretch where they didn't hit a field goal, all of a sudden caught fire at the end of the game. They were able to get out in transition, and that's kind of one of the big keys here, which we'll get to in a second. But uh, Grant Sherfield, 25 points in the first game for Oklahoma. He went 11, 8 of 11 on two-point shots, which a good amount of those were drives and layups. He also had a bunch of mid-range shots. He was kind of an assassin from there. He went 1 of 4 from 3. He also added 4 rebounds. Jalen Hill was pretty critical in the game. 9 points, but he was really good defensively. Um, and then Tanner Groves, as I said, was... Kind of slowed down. He went just 3 of 10 from the floor. He had 10 points. Milos Uzan had 11 points. And Sam Godwin off the bench had 12 points for Oklahoma. For KU, Grady Dick struggled in that game. Had just 8 points on 1 of 8 shooting. I believe he was face guarded in that game. Um, so now you've learned a little bit more on how to deal with that. Maybe that will lead to more success this go-round. And KU will obviously be prepared a little bit more for how to deal with the face guarding should Oklahoma choose to do that once again in this matchup. Uh, Jalen Wilson had 17 points, but he really struggled. He was just three of 12 from the floor. And it was really KJ Adams who won you the game. He had 22 points. He went eight of 13 from the floor. He had six rebounds. Um, then you had uh, 
10 points off the bench from Zach Clements, who was really good. So one of the few games that you've gotten good bench contributions and you did basically from one guy. Um, it was it was a bit of a slog. It was a struggle for KU, but they found their way to winning the game. Now, as far as Oklahoma, where they're sitting right now, this is a team who, um, you know, they're they're solid at both offense and defense, but they're not like, you know, elite top 40 in either unit right now. Um, they shoot the ball really well from two. They do a good job spacing the floor, and so they get cuts and easy layups to the rim. We saw that really hurt Kansas in the first matchup. They shoot well from three. They don't take a ton. They're not an elite three-point shooting team, but they shoot well. They do have turnover problems. Sometimes they can look for the very, very best shot, and it leads to them getting an open layup. Other times, they try to squeeze one in to try to get that best shot, and it leads to a turnover. They don't go for offensive rebounds like they don't really get them but it's more of a strategy thing because they play at a very slow tempo they're 303rd in the country in adjusted tempo they're going to send guys back and they try to limit you in transition that's basically what they do because they don't want you to beat them in those transition buckets and going back to the the kansas side of things kansas can be really good when they get in transition we saw them break open the game against oklahoma and have that comeback by getting out in transition but for a majority of the game, they weren't able to get out in transition, and it really hurt them offensively. A 13-minute spell where they only had, or, or they didn't make a field goal. It was only free throws, which the game also came to a grinding halt and um, lots of free throws for both teams in that second half. Now, defensively, Oklahoma is uh, really good at, at limiting threes. They chase you off the three-point line. They can test the three-point line. It is a strategy by them. They do a very good job of doing that. Uh, they're a pretty good defensive rebounding team, pretty good rim protection, but not great at either. They don't get a lot of steals and turnovers. KU had times where they had some turnover issues in that game, but overall ended out okay for the game. And um, I think that that's a very big positive for KU. Like so most of their losses have come in games where they've had high turnover numbers. This is the type of game that if you have high turnover numbers, it's because you messed up. Like they're not a team that that's really their forte. So um, it shouldn't be a high turnover game, but I guess you never really know because sometimes, like I said, that stuff is very much just kind of self-inflicted. As far as the lineup, they they throw out there. Uh, Uzon is, is kind of the one with Grant Sherfield, the two, but they're both kind of handle the ball. Sherfield is the sharpshooter looking like a possible first team 12 pick, if not. Uh, for sure, in the the second team with the way he can score it. Uh, Jalen Hill on the wing. He'll play kind of the 3-4, whatever they need. You'll see Jacob Groves, C.J. Nolan on the wing. And then uh, you'll see some Sam Godwin as the backup five who really hurt KU. I think he was a former walk-on. Tanner Groves, though, will be the starter. He's kind of the big name for them. Um, it's, it's pretty much a switchable small ball lineup, one through four, but then they play the traditional center. But with Groves at 6'10", he's able to really stretch out the floor. And so... Uh, with Groves, you have one of the better centers in the Big 12. With Grant Sherfield, you have one of the best scorers in the Big 12. And with Jalen Hill, you have one of the best defenders in the Big 12. Those are probably the three biggest players to watch on the Sooners coming into matchup number two with Oklahoma. Let's finish things up with our matchups of the game here with Locked on Jayhawks. So Kansas taking on Oklahoma on Saturday. That one will uh, tip off at noon central time, which means you can hear pregame on KLWN and 105.9 KISS, the radio stations here in Lawrence, starting at 10.30 with tip-off at noon. Uh, matchup number one of the game is just how much can Kansas get out in transition? Just talked about this, but Kansas was really limited in transition in that first game, and it really led to an absolute slog. Ball until those final minutes of the game where they were able to 
kind of figure it out, I guess. But Kansas went just 18 of 48 from two-point range. That's 37.5%. They went just 4 of 11 from three. Um, they just kind of grinded their way to the win. They had 12 offensive rebounds. They only had six turnovers. Again, going back to the fact that OU doesn't force a ton of turnovers. And they made 31 free throws. Like, that's how they won the game. Um, but it wasn't a pretty game. And you that it's a little better that you get out a little bit more in transition in this game. That would certainly be helpful to making it a more open game and a favorable game to KU's way. Matchup number two, Grady Dick getting face guarded, question mark. Is Oklahoma going to do the same thing they did in game one? You know, it worked well enough. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So maybe you expect them to do it. Um, if they don't do it, but I guess it's, uh, you know, what you do normally. But I expect a better, you know, I don't know, a better way of figuring it out for Kansas now that they saw it in the first game. Grady Dick will know better what to do. Um, because it's one thing when Ochak Baji got face guarded last year. Like, he's a senior. He's been through the rigors and and more experienced player with Grady still going through, you know, your freshman season and everything. So how can KU take advantage of that? Uh, in the last game, they really used it with those middle ball screens and it was Dewan and KJ. And that's how KJ ended up with 22 points. They basically made it a two person game by spreading out the floor. I'd imagine you're going to see more of that, but OU is probably going to counter that somehow. So uh, that kind of chess match between the two coaches, Bill Self and Porter Mosier, is going to be really interesting. And how does KU deal with it? Do they use Grady Dick as decoy? Do they find ways to still get Grady, you know, going where because he's face guarded, now he can back cut the guy and he can get some easy layups to the rim? That'll be a super interesting find for me in what happens with this game. Uh, KJ Adams versus Tanner Groves, part two. Talked about how Tanner Groves had just 10 points in the game. He went uh, just three of 10 from the floor. Uh, meanwhile, KJ Adams had the 22 point outing with six rebounds, two blocks, and a steal. He was excellent. KJ was the uh, MVP of the game. And KJ did a really good job defending him because he was able to get out in space. And you didn't have the worry of, oh, no, we have a big lumbering center. Tanner Grove is just going to be able to either shoot a three over him, or if he gets contested too much, he'll just drive him and finish at the bucket. KJ's faster than him. He's just as strong as him. And he's mobile to get get out on the three on him. So it really limited that for Oklahoma. We'll see if that continues here in game two or if Tanner Groves figures out something or maybe goes to more post-up work in a game like this. I guess we'll wait and see. Uh, the battle of the Jalens. Jalen Hill guarding Jalen Wilson. So Jalen Hill is one of the best defenders in the Big 12. He's a really good wing defender, about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, for Oklahoma. And he'll really get into you. And he really, I mean, it wasn't always him on Jalen Wilson, but it was a lot of him on Jalen Wilson, who went three of 12. Again, you look at the statue and you go, oh, Jalen Wilson had 17 points. Like it was a, but he just went three of 12. Not very efficient game. A big reason why is Jalen Hill. Can KU free up Jalen Wilson a little bit more? Can Jalen Wilson find a way to have a more efficient game on one of the better defenders in the Big 12? Or if Jalen Hill wins that matchup again, that's a huge boon for Oklahoma. I think whoever guards Grant Sherfield for Kansas, is certainly going to be a very important matchup. 25 points in the first outing for OU. He's been one of the best scorers in the Big 12 so far this season. He can really hit tough shots, does well in the mid-range. I don't know if it will be Grady Dick, if it will be Dewan Harris or Kevin McCuller. We saw some Dewan Harris on him last game. We saw a lot of Kevin McCuller on him last game. I would lean toward you to expect, I guess, Kevin McCuller to be on him. But 
maybe not. I mean, he's 6'2", so maybe Dewan Harris would be the guy that draws the majority of the matchup. We do know KU switches a lot, so it will be kind of the responsibility of a little bit of everyone at different points in time. But whoever is guarding him on the specific possession, it's going to be critical to close out as much as you can, make him take tough shots, and you just hope that that day he isn't really making them all because he can really get hot in a hurry. Um, so just don't let him really have a uh, takeover game. And then the last one I have here is shooting inside. So this goes for both teams. KU had its second lowest two-point offensive game in the first meeting with Oklahoma. It was the second lowest of the year. The only one lower was Tennessee. They have to find a way to get more open looks on the interior. Oklahoma's got a pretty good two-point defense, but it's not an elite defense. KU just missed a lot of bunnies. Like they, they missed a lot of layups. Oklahoma hit some tough layups. That was part of the first game that could correct itself in the second game. But for Kansas, you still got to finish those shots in a game like this. And we know this Kansas team isn't one that's going to get super easy buckets around the rim consistently. We did see them get a bunch of cuts on Texas to lead to some of those easy shots. Probably won't be as easy against Oklahoma. But they have to shoot better from two than they did in the first game. Um, and then on the other side, Oklahoma had a great two-point shooting game against Kansas. It was the worst two-point defense game of the season for Kansas this year. So Oklahoma dominated inside two. Kansas struggled inside two, yet Kansas found a way to win somehow. That's not a good recipe for winning on the road. That's not a good recipe for continuing to win games. And, you know, they were maybe had sound fieldhouse magic to get them through that game. You don't have that in this game down in Norman. So uh, you have to do a better job of limiting the interior. And because of the fact that Tanner Groves pulls out the center with KJ Adams, you don't really have that help fender as the center on the interior to help erase shots, to help block shots. Not that, you know, KJ is this Jeff Withy type force inside, but it basically spaces the floor well where it allows for guys to get driving lanes to the rim or it allows for guys to be one-on-one -on, -one on their way to the rim. And so if, if you as an individual defender don't do a good enough job of preventing a dribble drive to the rim, you're going to get smoked for it. And you have to do a good job of uh, being aware and, and watching back cuts off the ball. They do that a lot, and they get easy layups off it. You have to do a better job this game. If the two-point discrepancies that we saw in game one happen in game two, Oklahoma's going to win this game. If KU can tighten it up a little bit or even win that, then I think you feel good about where KU is at. That's going to do it for this episode, though, of Locked on Jayhawks. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. You can hit me up with any questions or give me a follow at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. And uh, we'll be back on Monday to recap whatever happens in the Oklahoma game and then Tuesday to preview the KU-Oklahoma State game. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about, hit us up. Have a good rest of your day. See you next time. Locked on Jayhawks.